So our culture hates boredom. Maybe you resonate with that. You don't like it. You know, it, it, our, my kids, they can't stand being bored. In fact, Cassie and I have created this little saying that uh, when, when our kids say, I'm so bored, we'll go, great, you're about ready to become creative. They really don't like that. <laughs> See, our kids don't, they, today's society and our kids and my kids, they don't understand the privilege, and I truly say the privilege, the privilege that we had growing up to go on a one-hour road trip without a screen. They don't, they don't understand this. Uh, they don't know that privilege. And, and no, today we have access um, to this. And I love what John Mark Comer, he's a pastor and writer, he's, he calls uh, this right here, this phone, is, is this infinity in our pocket. Think about that. We have access to infinity in our pocket. We can medicate our boredom with the endless scroll on social media, on Amazon, on the news feed, on Netflix, or whatever platform we choose. We can medicate our boredom with this. Now, granted, I'm grateful for this because this little powerful computer that I can slip inside my pocket or you can slip inside your purse, it allows us to become more effective and efficient, doesn't it? However, this is a digital vacuum. <laughs> it's a vacuum of my time and your time and it has become actually something bigger. Uh, Dave Kinnaman, who is the president of Barna uh, Research, it, he describes this uh, infinity in our pocket or, or what we have access to online as digital Babylon. And I think it's so appropriate. See, Babylon was the kingdom that Israel was exiled into after Israel turned their back on God. And Babylon has been a term used throughout all of Scripture to indicate a kingdom that is in opposition to God. See, digital Babylon. Digital Babylon is creating a demand that leaves us unable to be alone with ourselves. Unable to also be alone with God. And this is something that humanity used to be okay with. We, as humanity, used to be okay being alone. But today... We're not okay being alone. We can't process our thoughts. We're not able to process our thoughts. And being, we're not okay being alone to process our feelings, much less quiet the noise from all the demands of life and just be present. And more importantly, be present with God. Many of us are even afraid of being alone. Silence we see as an enemy. And solitude, huh, that's something we avoid because we don't want to be alone with ourselves. Or solitude has less value because we value it less than the other demands that we have or the offers that we have. It's valued less. See, what that does, we end up then adding more to our lives. We end up adding, um, including more in our lives. And when we do that, it leaves us more hurried in this life. And hurry is a self-destruct button. It's a self-destruct button. See, hurry is destroying our ability to be present without being preoccupied. Think about that. Present without being preoccupied. We're so preoccupied with what's next that we can't be present now. Did you know that you make 10,000 decisions a day as an adult? When I read that, I was like, yeah, right. But then they show me the data. I'm like, oh, that's right. 
And every decision we make impacts our future. How different would, uh, would it be for us to not be preoccupied and to be present when making many of those decisions? Think about how beneficial it would be not to be distracted when you're making not just the little decisions, but the big decisions that you have to make. Think about the benefit of being present without being preoccupied. Being present in a room like this, aware of what is going on in the room, aware of the people who are in the room, aware of their stories and the difficulties and the problems, the pain and the opportunities, and where God is at work in the room. However, for most of us, most of the time, we're too preoccupied to be present. Maybe not with this, but maybe with something else. And one of the main things making you and I preoccupied, though, we need to recognize are the digital distractions in our life. See, we can be present. We can be. We can't. You can be present without being preoccupied. And Jesus What he teaches, he is going to lead us and going to help us learn how to do that. And more on that in a moment. My name is Casey, and for those of you that are new with us, I am so grateful to share this time together with you. If you're new in the room, also for every one of you online, we're so grateful to be together together with you. For those of you who are new with us in the room, we have a gift for you, and we'd love to give you that gift after service. And so right after service, if you'll make your way across our lobby uh, into our uh, welcome center, a host will be there. They'd love to share with you four things in less than four minutes about Westside, and we'd love to give you a gift for being with us today. So please make your way there. Um, For those of you that are new with us online, they're posting a link that if you click that, fill out that form, we'd love to send you a gift for being with us today. Now, Westside, as we normally do and regularly do, will you let everyone that's watching online, as well as those who are new with us in the room, let them know how grateful we are to spend this time with them. Will you do that? Yeah. So we are continuing the series on hurry and haste. And here's a series big idea for it. We are wasting the haste. We're going to waste the haste. This is how we're going to waste the haste. We are going to learn Jesus' unforced rhythms of life. See, following Jesus' way of life leads to an unhurried life. Jesus would say he is the way. The truth and the life. So he is the way. And when we follow his way, we will learn his truth that sets us free. And then we will be free to experience the life that he gives us. See, following Jesus' way of life leads to a life that is fulfilling and a life that is sustaining. Throughout this series, we've been taking the Waste the Haste Challenge, a challenge to help you establish what church history has called a rule of life, to learn the rhythms of Jesus, take those rhythms of Jesus, apply them to your life as a rule to govern your life. And that's what this term means. These are disciplines that govern our days, that that are Christ-centered disciplines that Jesus did to govern our lives, our choices, our days, and so we can live a Christ-filled, abundant life life that Jesus invites us into. And here is the Waste of the Haste challenge. It's to breathe. And we've encouraged you to do this every week. We breathe in God by doing these rhythms and we exhale God by doing these rhythms. We breathe God into our lives and what we've received, we then can give out of our lives. For instance, the first one is a daily rhythm of praying or of reading scripture and praying scripture, reading and praying scripture. We read God, God's word and we breathe that out in prayer, praying God's word. We also do this weekly, a weekly Sabbath to, we are weekly Sabbathing with the body 
body of Christ. That this is the reason we come. We come here as a Sabbath, as a place of rest to cease other activities because this is valuable. It's here that we breathe, receive comfort, challenge, and encourage. We, free, we receive strength and we also give comfort. We give courage and we give um, strength to the body of Christ. We also have a weekly rhythm of having a meaningful face-to-face conversation with a friend or group of friends. This is where we can love one another the way God through Christ has loved us. And these were rhythms that Jesus modeled and they're in scripture. And see, the gospels don't just reveal the teachings and the miracles that, that, that are in scripture. The gospels are strategic to share with you and I how Jesus lived so we can follow him. It's how Jesus lived to build a relationship with God a Father so we can follow his way of living to build a relationship with God. See, following Jesus is just not about knowing document uh, times and miracles and, knowledge, and having stats. Following Jesus is not just belief and knowledge. It requires something we do. See, it is faith with action. It is trust, trust and practice. It is taking that yoke that Jesus says, take my yoke, my way of life upon you. And it's, it's taking that yoke off of, uh, from Jesus, learning from doing his way of life when we come to him. And the rhythms that Jesus leads us into, the, the rhythms that Jesus leads us into are the same rhythms he lived. See, the rhythms of Jesus lead you and I into union with him. They unite us with him. And there are actions that build our relationship with God. And relationship, relationships, you know this more, better than I do. Relationships take time, trust, and they take commitment. They take trust, time, and commitment. And the life rhythms of Jesus built his relationship with God the Father and established his relationship with people. And today, we're going to talk about Jesus' regular rhythm of solitude and silence. Jesus habitually went to places of solitude and created silence to listen to God the Father. Now, there's a Greek word that is important in, to, to, to today's teaching, and that word is aremos, okay? That is E-R-E-M-O-S, aremos. And what that means in the Greek language is it, it, it's interpreted in the Gospels in many different ways, and here they are. So I wanted you to see all, so anytime you see these words, it's likely the original word aremos. It's translated in the Gospels as desert or deserted place, wilderness, lonely place, solitary place, quiet place, a remote place, or my favorite of all, open country. Come on, let's get in the road, take the camper and let's go, okay? So in this, the aremos, as we see it in the Gospels, is solitude, and this was remote. It was removed from the noise and distractions. And when G, we read in the gospel, this was the time when it was Jesus would remove himself from the distractions competing for his attention. Now, I'm not going to give you all the times in the gospels, uh, nor all the benefits from this solitary so, of, a time of solitude and silence. But I want to take some time today to look at some of these and, and, and then after the teaching, we're going to demonstrate and we're going to walk you through a simple way to practice this. See, Jesus practiced solitude and silence in the Ramos places for this purpose, to be in union with God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. This habit of Jesus, of solitude and silence, was likely, look at me, 
It was likely the most influential practice in Jesus' life and ministry on earth. I would argue this was his most influential practice. And unfortunately, it is the one practice that we don't have time for. And honestly, we don't make time because we don't see the value in this. And today I want to help you see the value of solitude and silence because we are so distracted by all the things that are preoccupying our minds that we forget then to spend time and spend alone time with God. See, how the enemy is so brilliant in our lives. See, the enemy is so brilliant in neutralizing the people of God by keeping us away from the source of of life and power that we so desperately need. So here's the teaching big idea that I want you to get today. Being alone with God eliminates the noise of life so we can be present with God, empowered by God, and discern his direction for our lives. In order to do this, we need to eliminate the distractions, the noise of life, to discover God's direction and experience his power by being present with him. So let's look at some snapshots in the Gospels where Jesus practiced the spiritual discipline of solitude and silence. The first one we're going to look at is right out of the gate. It's in Mark chapter 1. And this happens right after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. The, here the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove and a, the voice of the Father is heard by Jesus and those, some of those surrounding them, a voice that God said, you are my son, with you whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And then we read, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Circle that word wilderness. That is the remos. That was solitude, the alone place with God. Here we see something very important to Jesus, and it's something very important to you and I. Being alone with God prepared Jesus for temptation. Maybe you are hit with the reality of that right now, just as I was hit with the reality of that when I saw that. See, maybe the reason we don't have the power to resist temptation is because we don't make the choice to be alone with God. See, when we don't make being alone with God a priority in our life, we will be distracted by all those tempting choices bombarding our life. And that's where the enemy wants you and I to be. See, maybe if we would have, 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 have practiced solitude and being alone with God, we would have had the strength to say no to the temptation that today is one of our biggest regrets. See how important this is right out of the gate of Jesus' ministry. And it's important for you and I. The next snapshot is this. Jesus is here getting ready to assemble his dream team, an opportunity many of us would love to be able to do. Um, In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it reads, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. 
Now, the Greek word is not, of eremos is not used here, but the practice of solitude is. It's not present in these verses, but we clearly see that Jesus is getting away to a mountainside, away from the noise of the city, the distractions and the demand of the people in the city. And here Jesus is assembling his dream team whom, mind you, he's about ready, he's going to equip and he's going to empower through the Holy Spirit, giving them the Holy Spirit and empowering them to carry out the mission he came to establish and do. Now, instead of doing what I would do the night before of having to assemble my dream team, see, what I would be doing is I'd be looking at all the resumes, I'd be looking at all their assessments, getting them to maybe do, put in some last minute assessments. But not Jesus. He spends the entire night in prayer, alone with God, the Father. See, being alone with God prepared Jesus for big decisions and big tasks. Jesus spent alone time with God the Father when he had a bigger task at hand or a bigger decision to make. When was the last time you spent a dedicated space and time alone in prayer before you made a big decision? Like that big decision to take that job or that big decision to date that guy or that girl or that big decision to make that move or buy that thing. What if we would take the time and make the space before we make the big decisions to open that company, to hire that person? See, not asking God in these moments, this is not to ask God in those moments what to join us in what we want to do. See, solitude and silence is not to petition God for what we want. It's to ask God and dis- for his will and to discern that will. It's asking for his wisdom and his direction to be revealed. And the bigger the decision or the bigger the task, the more time we need to spend. If Jesus needed it, why do we think we can avoid it? How dare I think, how dare you think that we can get by without something that Jesus desperately needed? We are no better than he is. See, solitude and silence with God will help you and I discern God's will for our life. To not seek God's will for your life is to act like God. Or to let someone or something else Be the God in your life. Next snapshot. Mark 1. Back to Mark 1. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Circle solitary place. You guessed it. (laughs) Aremos. Right before this, Mark describes the beginning of Jesus' teaching and ministry. After healing many and having a spiritual battle, a demanding spiritual battle against demonic power, Jesus would, would exit and he would enter the Oremos, the, the alone place with God, the solitary place, the deserted place. Jesus made time to be alone with God after demanding days and seasons. Not only did solitude and silence prepare Jesus for the demanding days and demanding seasons. This is how Jesus would refuel after these hard days of ministry and these demanding seasons of ministry. 
Jesus would return to the source of his strength to refuel. He would return to God the Father in prayer. And he would do this by being alone, making the time, making, identifying the place, and going there to be alone with God. We need to do the same after demanding days and seasons. Whether those days are successes or losses, we need to do the same. See, we need to follow the way of Jesus and spend alone time with God in prayer. However, what do we do after our demanding days? After our demanding seasons, after our demanding days of solving problems all day long and working hard, God often is ignored. He's not our source to refuel. We refuel with the endless scroll on social media. We refuel with the the, the Netflix series that is unending. (laughs) We refuel with shopping on on Amazon or reading the news headlines, which are more clickbait than they are actual story summaries. That's for another day. (laughs) See, we avoid the thing we need the most to refuel. We avoid to do what Jesus demonstrated we need the most. We avoid spending time with God, our Father, in prayer. And we wonder why our lives are in chaos, and we wonder why our lives are so out of our control. See, without spending time with God, our lives will be out of control. See, Jesus made time with God the first priority after demanding days and seasons. And we need to take his way upon us. Next snapshot is in Mark chapter 6. And this happens with his 12. In verse 30 of chapter uh, of Mark chapter 6, the apostles gathered around Jesus, these were the 12 disciples, and, and reported to him all they had done and taught. So they had just been sent by Jesus by themselves. This is like one of their first missions to go by themselves. And, and they, re- they come back, give this report, and they're like, Jesus, you wouldn't believe it. What, what you said we would do, we did. I mean, we were healing the sick. We were casting out demons. We were, God, you, God was doing miracles through us. And then because so many people were coming and going that they did not have a chance to eat, I mean, they were getting popular too. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Again, a remos. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran afoot on foot from all the towns that got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. I can understand the frustration of the disciples. I thought we were going to a solitary place, Jesus. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place. And it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And many of you know what is about to happen, the miracle that's about to take place. Jesus takes five loaves of bread and two fish and he multiplies it through the disciples and they feed the 5,000 men. Now I want you to see what's going on in the text that we just read because it's important. They were in a boat and the boat actually was the solitary place. Go with me here. The disciples were with Jesus, God incarnate. They were alone with God in the flesh. To be alone with Jesus is to be alone with God. And the disciples were already in their solitary place with God right before this big task that Jesus was about to assign them 
to do. See, they did all the work of this. The disciples did. However, the disciples, they still wanted to get to their solitary place to have this place. And so they're like, Jesus, you send the crowds away. We're in that solitary place now. Send them away so we can have that time. And Jesus is like, no. We already had our solitary time. You already had your solitary time. Now you give them something to eat. And that's what just happened. Jesus blesses the food, gives thanks to it, and he, he, and he gives, breaks it, gives it to the disciples. And in the disciples' hands, it multiplies. A whole long day. And they feed over 10,000 people that day. It's amazing. Now check this out. See, the solitary time with Jesus on the boat prepared the disciples for the big task Jesus would give them. Maybe God wants to do more in us and through us. But our problem is we won't spend time with him. Oh, that we would make time to be alone with God. That we would see the value of this way of life. That we'd see the need for God that much that we would spend time with him. That we would figure out the way to get in the boat. That we'd figure out the way just to separate ourselves, even if it's not for a long time. Even if it's just to get in the car and make a drive or wake up early in the morning and do it. If we would just knew that we truly needed it, that we would really do it. See, Jesus figured out the way to get away. It was the boat. And then look what happens right after this amazing day of ministry. In verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of them to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. See, Jesus goes back to a solitary place on the mountainside, a place of solitude. Jesus did this a lot. These are just snapshots of the many. See, Jesus regularly spent time in a secluded place to be alone with God in prayer. Notice that I said he spent time. He invested his time. His time, his time on earth is more valuable than my time on earth. His time on earth is, was more valuable than your time on earth. In fact, it was more valuable than all of our time, the value of all our time together. His time was more valuable. And he would regularly invest his time to be alone with God the Father. This is how important this is. He would do this to listen, to learn, to receive. And it was from listening and learning and receiving that Jesus would know what to say and what to do. How dare we think that we can live life without this practice? How dare we think that we can live life any other way? To learn from Jesus, we must do the same. We must regularly get alone with God in prayer. And the last snapshot I want to show you is in Luke chapter 21. It's a very meaningful and important reflection of what this means to our lives. In verse 37, each day Jesus was teaching at the temple and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. And all the people would come in early in the morning to hear him at the temple. This was a regular rhythm. And in this time, Jesus knows that the time of his death is coming. He would each evening escape the distractions of the city and refuel from the task of teaching in the temple by going every night to the Mountain of Olives to pray and be alone with God the Father. And this was important because of this. Being alone with God prepared Jesus for the rejection of the people and the betrayal 
of those closest to him. Jesus was able to make it through all of that suffering and all of the betrayal because of his solitude with God. Solitude prepared Jesus. It strengthened Jesus. It gave Jesus the courage to face the rejection of those he loved the most. See how being alone with God can eliminate the noise and the distractions of life and, 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 and in that you can be present with him and empowered by him and discern his will and direction for our life. See, it's these moments that will help you make better choices. You'll make the right choices in life. Practicing solitude and silence will empower you to be present and not be pre- preoccupied in the moments of life. And you'll be okay being alone by yourself. And I recognize that this is difficult for many, uh, that, that, that some of us are afraid to be alone by ourselves. And really, we're afraid to be alone with us. See, why? this is why many of us get caught up in the inexhaustible, inexhaustible scroll of social media. And we're not okay being alone with ourselves and exploring what's on the inside of our hearts and our minds. And you may be afraid to be alone with what's inside of you. But I got good news for you. You do not have to fear and you never have to fear being alone because God is always with you. God wants to be with you. He just wants you to remove yourself from the the distractions in life because he wants you to find that space because he wants to enable you to process what is going on inside your heart, not to fear what's going on inside your mind, but to help you process that. And he wants to help you, empower you to take control of all the noise inside your head and all inside your heart. And God wants to help you by bringing you to him. Come to me. It's his invitation to come. To bring him those thoughts, bring him those feelings that you cannot control. And he wants to make you new, renew your mind and give you life. But he can only do it if we accept his invitation to come. That is why the enemy wants to keep you and distract you from coming to him. See, the enemy will use the noise and distractions of life to keep you and I so preoccupied that we cannot be present with God. And therefore, we won't be refueled, we'll be drained, we'll end up hurried, and we'll hit the self-destruct button in our life. So what do we need to do while we're in solitude? That's what I want to end with today. And to help you do this, um, so I mentioned earlier on your app, if you open up your app, the Westside Leavenworth app, uh, that first card after you refresh it, if you need to refresh it, it says Solitude Screensavers. It's also a pop-up on our website right now. There are two images for Android devices and iPhone devices. They should work on multiple of devices. And on those is just a tool to help you put on your screen to help you eliminate and spend time. And here are the four practices I want to encourage you to do. The first one is this. Identify a time and place to be alone with God. For those of you with notes, it's on the, actually the talk it over part of your notes. But uh, it's to listen, to identify a time and place to be alone with God. It's been different for me at different seasons in my life. When our kids were early, 
uh, our kids were young and all of them were young. You know, the his sleepless nights, early mornings. Oh my goodness, it was hard. My shower was my solitude place. I'm not kidding. I took long showers. To this day, it's still a part of my, my, my rhythm. Now today, I, wake up bef- I can wake up before my family wakes up and my wife wakes up and I spend my alone time with God. It's my life source. He's my life source. This practice isn't my life source. God is my life source. Second is we need to listen to God through scripture. We avoid this, but we need it. We need to listen to God through scripture and then listen for his whisper in silence. God speaks through his written words. And then it's, it's when we are in that moment that, that he speaks. And, and it's in those moments that when we're silent, God through the Holy Spirit speaks to our conscience. Now I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I know what his voice is when it speaks to my conscience because I've eliminated all the distractions and all the other voices in life. I'm just with him. I'm coming to him. See, the reason we don't hear God speak to our hearts is we're not listening for his voice or putting ourselves in a place to listen to his voice. And then the third one is this, is pray scripture to pray for God's will. When you pray scripture and you make scripture your prayer, you pray God's will and God's will is the most important thing for your life. And then the last one is this, pray the way Jesus teaches in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This is the Lord's Prayer. Many of you have memorized this. Maybe you memorized it as a kid. Maybe you just grew up in, the, in, a, in a tradition where you said this every week. But you said it, but you didn't live it. I believe this is something that can command our days. I've been praying this prayer for over 14 years now, 15 years now. It's, it's been a life source for me. And I challenge you to pray it in your solitude. It's the prayer I believe God answers 100% of the time. And I believe all four of these things will change your life. It'll renew your mind. Not, and it's not because I've done this. I believe this because Jesus did this. This is how we can eliminate the noise of life so we can be present with God, empowered by God. And discern his direction, his will for our life. So we're going to end today by doing this together. They're putting up on the screen the verse that has been guiding this series. It's the invitation Jesus gives. And I'm going to read it and then I'm going to share with you how I wrote it down this week as a prayer. And then we're going to give you space to, on your, on your paper, you have some lines to write. And so you may want to write your own prayer. We're going to give you time and space to do that. And then we're going to, um, or you can just adopt what I have prayed and you can write my words up there. We're going to keep that up there. And as we do this, uh, our band's going to sing in a moment over you as we leave today. Here's a passage of scripture. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And some of you right here today You need to hear God is speaking this invitation to your heart because you're so weary. And I feel you. Turn this back into a prayer right now. This is how I prayed it earlier this week. Father, I need the courage to choose to come to you to find rest. 
May I give up my way of life and embrace Jesus' way of life so I can learn from him. Thank you for being gentle and humble. I trust that you will give me rest for my soul. I trust that your way of life is truly easy and that following you is not a burden. So this is your moment. Write your own prayer if you feel you can from that scripture. Turn it into a prayer. If not, adopt my prayer. Make that your prayer right now. And then allow us to sing this over you as we close today.